Hey mamas, you're listening to the Balanced Working Mama podcast, the only podcast teaching you how to balance your work, motherhood, and wellness. I am Dr. Amber Thornton, clinical psychologist and mama wellness consultant. Each week we dive into tips and strategies and much more so that you too can become a balanced working mama. Let's dive in. Hey mamas, I hope you are doing well. It's me, Dr. Amber. I am the host of this podcast, the Balanced Working Mama podcast. So if you are new and listening to this for the very first time, hello. Um, If you are not new, hey girl, welcome back. I hope y'all doing good. Um, Balanced Working Mama podcast is a place and a space for any mama who is ready to find more balance and more wellness in their motherhood experience. Most of our listeners are millennial mamas or new mamas who maybe have seen a version of motherhood that just doesn't feel like it's a good fit for them right now. And so they're wanting to unlearn some things. They're wanting to rewrite some things. They're wanting to do some things differently. And Balanced Working Mama podcast is the place to support you in all of that. And I am also supporting you all too. We do that through the podcast. We do that in our actual community. Right now we have about 70 mamas in our community. So if y'all have been thinking about the community, y'all need to join us. We will open again in July. Either way, I am always here and always happy to be speaking with you yet again. So today we actually have another guest on the podcast for today. And our guest today is Gabrielle, and she is going to be sharing her experience of finding more balance and wellness while living with a chronic health condition. Gabrielle has had lupus for several years, and she has gone through so many ups and downs when it came to her health. She's now in a really great space where she's, um, you know, doing some really good things with her wellness, and she's actually going to share all about this. I don't, I don't want to tell her story, but I have just been so blessed, you all, so blessed to be connected with Gabrielle through the internet. Um, she and I connected years ago when I was pregnant with my son, Cedric. So that was almost three years ago. Um, she at the time was gearing up for her son to arrive as well. And so we we bonded and connected because we were both in this place in a place of anticipating the arrival of our sons. And so Ever since then, she and I have been close and connected and having really good conversations in the DMs and supporting one another on our wellness journeys and our balance journeys and our motherhood journeys. And I have truly become better for my connection with her. So I am really, really, really excited for you all to hear this conversation with Gabrielle. She is an amazing person. She is a a warrior. She's a survivor. She's all these amazing things. And so I hope y'all enjoy today's episode and let's get into it. Hey mamas, we have another very special guest this week. I'm super excited to talk to her, um, just reflecting on how we even got connected and truly, I don't know, maybe she can help answer this for me, but I feel like we've been connected on Instagram for a while and I'm so grateful for it. Um, I'm so excited to talk with Gabrielle today. So please introduce yourself, tell us a little bit about you and, you know, who you are. Sure. Um, I'm, I'm Gabriel Davis. I am mom to uh, a rambunctious two-year-old who is all about 
being hands-on discovering. So I am embracing that role more and more. Um, I am in corporate America, which is, <laughs> we're talking about balanced, right? Um, and so those are two separate worlds that somehow have to come together. So I'm in leadership and that's another level of working. Um, I'm a wife um, and I'm also um, a lupus advocate, which is why I'm here today to talk to the ladies about how I uh, walk this journey living with lupus and uh, live to tell the story, <laughs> quite literally. So, yeah. Like, literally, quite, quite literally. Mm -hmm. Like, I've just been so, um, I don't know, inspired and amazed by you. I'm, I'm really grateful to have been able to kind of like watch your journey on Instagram, um, you know, in our conversations in the DMs too. Like, I think- yeah. You many know, conversations. <laughs> yes, so many conversations. And I think, I don't know if I've ever said this, but like being able to connect with you and see your journey has definitely been an eye opening experience for me. And, you know, this is why I love Instagram so much. <laughs> like, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm, oh my God. I'm a millennial in that way. But it, you, it really is because you get to like experience things and people in their lives yes. in ways that you otherwise wouldn't mm -hmm. um and so I feel Thank like you. I've learned so much just from being connected to people that like without it I would have never met and so I'm so grateful for sure. you and I'm thankful that you are here to talk about your story and I really wanted to bring you on to talk specifically about um living with lupus mm -hmm. um and then what that means for balance and wellness for you you know because I, I'm sure that there are mamas who whether they have lupus or whether they have some sort of other chronic illness mm -hmm. um they are navigating that on a day-to-day -day basis and they still want balance and wellness as well and, and I felt like you were the perfect person to talk to about Aww. this and, I appreciate know, that yeah, no, truly. And so I, I want to just like start from the beginning, if you don't mind, like how did this journey for you begin, you know, your journey with lupus and it, yeah, just where did it start for you? Sure. Um, I'll try to see if I can make it a little bit more concise for time's sake, because I could go on and on child. But as far as my, um, when I was first introduced, lupus is one of those things I wouldn't say it's six degrees separation, but it's in the air. I've heard the word lupus before I was diagnosed, but never knew what it entailed. I knew it wasn't good, but I didn't know exactly what it was, of course, until it happened to me. Um, so crazy story, 2009, Valentine's Day. It was my first Valentine's Day as a newlywed. Antoine and I, my husband Antoine and I were uh, 26 and 27. And, you know, we had a night planned. You know how you, the hotel that you get married at, they give you next year, they give you a room and all that. So we, you know, we had plans. And my, um, my body was just not with it at all. Um, I was achy. I was just not myself. And I thought that maybe I was anxious. Um, I thought I was nervous about the night because we were going to go to dinner and it was just a big thing in my head. It was just like, yeah, everything's got to be right because it's the first Valentine's Day and all this stuff. And I'm a type A person. I don't know if you can relate to this, but I want things to go as planned. And so this body pain and whatever else was going on, my body was a major, you know, wrench in the plans. And so I'm trying to mitigate and see what I can do to, you know, get back to where I need to be. So 
girl, how about I took like more than the prescribed amount of Tylenol because I didn't know what was going on. And so I just wanted to get rid of these symptoms. Did not work. And then I had the smart idea to go to a massage therapist, which was not good because what was happening to my body was inflammation. And so going to the massage therapist basically spread that inflammation throughout my body. So long story short, <laughs> I end up in the ER instead of going to dinner with my husband and enjoying our evening. Because that by the time I got to him, because he was in Tampa, we were um, he was there for some reason. I don't know why. I think he went before me. And then I followed after because of the work day. I think he had taken the work day off or something like that. But by the time I got to Tampa, um, I couldn't barely walk. I could barely walk. And so when we got to the ER, um, and after four days in the ER, they discovered that I was severely dehydrated and that my white blood cell count was really out of whack. That's the only thing they knew because a lot of doctors, and I know the lupus patients out there, if they're listening, they know a lot of doctors are not educated about lupus. They get, I think, maybe an hour or two out of all the things that they learn based on lupus. That's the education that they get. And so a lot of times you're getting a doctor who is not specialized in your disease. And so such is the case with these ER doctors, they saw dehydration and they saw white blood cell count. I was grateful enough to have a Hispanic doctor who worked with you know, women of color and people of color. And he, I'm, I'm automatically identified it as a connective tissue disease, which is a general autoimmune. And then in July of 2009, I saw our rheumatologist because it takes so long to get these rheumatologists. I have no idea why, but it does. Um, I was finally diagnosed with lupus in July of 2009. So that's a, what, um, seven month span between Valentine's Day and um, July, but that's not uncommon. That's not uncommon, um, sad to say. So that's my diagnosis story. <laughs> um, you know, it started off in Valentine's Day, and by that summer, I had been um, diagnosed with lupus. And then shortly after, maybe about a year, year and a half later, kidney disease came into the picture. And so that became like the major thing that I was working against and trying to get under control. Um, but before that, you know, the common symptoms, and I'm saying this just in case you're readers, um, not readers, Lord. I'm all, I'm, I'm in print. I'm a print girl. <laughs> just in case your listeners um, are um, just thinking about some things that are going in their own body, inflammation, fatigue, um, you know, skin can break out, just the unusual, all of a sudden I'm feeling down, you know, feeling dragging, like I'm dragging. Make sure that you get your full blood workup when you go to your doctors to see. A lot of these doctors don't want to do that because you're not presenting the symptoms as they see it or in their mind, it's not what you think it is. I would insist that you ask them um, to get a full blood work just to be careful about it. Um, but yeah, kidney disease came in like not even as I was really learning the, 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 the ins and outs of lupus and that was just something else to tackle. Um, and so, yeah, <laughs> it was a lot. It was a lot for, you know, anyone to deal with. Um, but for me, again, and I think this just relates to your listeners, being someone who 
has a plan, is goal-oriented, um, constantly on the go, um, just having a plan for things to happen. And then, you know, a chronic disease throws all of that out the door and leaving you to pretty much reframe your life in your mindset, mm-hmm. in your mindset, for yep, sure. Yep. Mm, I could see that. And it, it kind of leads me to my next question because, you know, I'm similar to you in that I can be type A at times. I like to have plans you know, Mm -hmm. long-term, short-term. And so Mm -hmm. when things come into play that throw them off, it really frustrates me and it can be hard for me. And so, again, I can only imagine how that happening to your body um, was affecting you, um, like mentally, spiritually, physically. Um, But then also I'm really curious to hear how this, you know, the situation, you know, the lupus diagnosis, how that impacted your motherhood journey. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I'll I'll t- touch a little bit on the mental um, and spiritual, emotional aspect. Um, so for the mental, I got to tell you, girl, I was in straight denial because um, I I couldn't wrap my head around what they were telling me. I I think in the beginning it wasn't as bad, and I just pushed through. Um, and I think a lot of us have that push through spirit that has, is in our DNA. Like everybody has that. Now, whether you pull on that or not, that's something else. But I think our ancestors had to have that to survive. We use it in a way that we don't necessarily have to. You know what I'm saying? We use it in non-constructive ways. And I found myself with that and honestly, that's the kind of the way I was raised as well is to get things done. Not a lot of room for processing, not a lot of time for reflecting. Those are words and actions that I learned in therapy for eight years going on nine. And quite frankly, I was the type of person to, okay, A didn't work, let's go to B. B didn't work, let's go to C. Meanwhile, I'm leaving a lot of baggage behind that I didn't deal with. And so I treated lupus the same way. I never took the time. I was just wasn't mature back then. I just wasn't mature enough and didn't have the tools. I didn't have the tools to sit down and think, okay, how is this going to change my life? What can stay the same? What needs to be different? It was very much finding on the fly what I can do, what I can't do. A lot of hitting my head against the wall. I'm saying this because I don't want people to so much embrace a diagnosis because nobody wants to embrace anything negative, okay? But we do need to stay in reality of what this is going to bring into our lives because when we don't, it totally throws us off when it didn't have to. It's gonna throw you off anyway, But some of that could have been lessened if I had seriously taken it seriously. And I didn't. Sometimes I think maybe, and you know, we just don't know, hindsight is 2020, but there's days that I wasn't taking my medication because I didn't feel like, I don't need that today or whatever, or I forget and it wasn't a big deal. I don't know. And I don't, sometimes I don't like to go here, but it has to be said, would I have had as much damage to my body if I had treated it 
like take your medication, do this, do that, do this. You know what I'm saying? So mental is a big part of it because there's there's this 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 place that you have to get to, not so much a settling, but a I guess it is a balance to, you know, you know, you know, springboard off your 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 podcast. It's a balance of this is what's come to my life. How am I going to deal with it constructively to a place where I can still do the things I love to do, you know what I'm saying? And still live a life that I want to live. I don't have to lay down and bow to lupus, but I also can't act like it's not there. So there's some balance that I had to get first and foremost um, before I could do anything, including be a mother. So um, because I had to take care of my mental and in motherhood, it was hard because, you know, I think anybody who wants to be a mother, they picture themselves being pregnant, (laughs) you know, being able to conceive, you know, that's just the, nobody, I, I mean, maybe this will, maybe this will become more. And maybe when we think of having a family, um, we will think about all the options that we have at the, at the same time. It won't be something like, okay, A didn't work and now we need to go to B. Maybe there will be a day that everything's on the table and we, even if we are able to conceive, we'll say, you know, I think I'd rather go the adoption route because, you know, there are kids out there who need a home, whatever. But for me, I was very much thinking traditional. And when I learned that it had affected my kidneys and also my reproductive system, because lupus, just a factoid here, it can affect you from head to toe because inflammation travels everywhere. I've heard of people dealing with it in the brain, in the heart, on your skin, um, in your kidneys like me. Um, So, you know, it runs the gamut. Um, And so hearing that motherhood was pretty much off the table. Oh, I'm sorry, those are kids. <laughs> like there's kids out there. Um, for the listeners, I'm listening out for my son, motherhood. Um, so it ran the gamut and my kidneys were just gone <laughs> pretty much. And then I had to deal with um, lupus fog, which is happening right now, <laughs> FYI. <laughs> Um, so kidney disease and all that. And so it took away my, my ability to conceive and my husband and I, you know, we are, you know, faith, you know, faith thinking people, you know, we do, we believe that, you know, God would somehow work it out. Um, somehow we would be able to, we did everything we could. I did different kind of diets. I exercise with my child in mind. Um, I just, I, I went plant-based for a while. I fasted, you know what I'm saying? People were praying and still um, nothing changed in my body. And so, you know, that spiritual aspect, it was just like, well, what's going on? You know, I'm doing everything I know to do. And still, you know, my prayers weren't answered. And so it was, it was a letdown. It was just like anybody who wants to be pregnant and start a family and everybody around you is on baby number one and two. You know, I was, you know, older, older 
mother. And I know that that age range is changing and I'm so thankful, but you know, I was, you know, this was eight years, eight year window between when we said we wanted a child at three years after marriage, it was 11 for us, 11. A lot of things have changed, you know what I'm saying? And I'm grateful that we still have the desire. So I had to deal with that. And the way AJ is, we, we like to call him our gift because he is a gift, because he's a, a surrogacy baby. And, you know, that was a different, that was a different thing that I had to ingest. There was a lot of therapy that I had to do around that because there were fears of AJ not being connected to me because he wasn't in the womb. I know there's, I hear a lot about, you know, how, you know, the baby is connected to you and they hear you and they're familiar with you. And I'm bringing, you know, essentially a baby into the world who doesn't really know his mother, you know what I'm saying? And so I did what I could do as far as with our surrogate um, of making sure that I was around her when I could be, because she was in a different city, still in the same state, but in a different city. And, you know, you know, do voice messages that she could play to AJ in the womb and just stay connected, you know what I'm saying? And I had to tell myself over and over again, I am his mother. I am his mother. I am his mother. Um, you know, you get other things like, you know, I was big about AJ being, um, having breast milk even though I couldn't provide it. And so I made a way, you know, I felt like I was, I call myself the milk hustler because baby, I was in the streets <laughs> getting this milk together um, from everywhere, you know? Um, and I'm so grateful for milk donation. I'm so, cause he is such a healthy baby because of it. So, you know, but I, I had to reconcile that our spirits are going to connect. It's not just about, being him being in my womb or the traditional route we will connect and that's exactly what happened I mean the moment I held him we were connected and I put him on my chest we were connected and and now that's my buddy you know what I'm saying we dance we laugh and we built that relationship and I'm and now just thinking about it, just talking to you Amber I'm so grateful that I didn't rely on that womb connection because it gave me a chance to really develop a relationship and not assume I had a relationship with my child. It gave me to play with him and get to know him and kind of present myself to him. You know what I'm saying? Like, I am your mother and this is the kind of mother I am and not assume that he had something wired in him that knew that. And I think that goes for anybody. There's no assumptions, right? Like build the relationship, you know what I'm saying? With your children, with your spouse, with your partner, with a friend, you gotta build that. You can't assume that they know who you are, you know what I'm saying? And that you know, you know who they are, you know what I'm saying? Um, so that, that was a gift that I think I'm just now realizing. So thank you. <laughs> no, thank you. And oh, I'm just realizing so many things in this conversation. I feel like this is such a healthy conversation for both of us to be having. Um, because as you were talking, I started to have memories of like when I was pregnant with Cedric 
you were awaiting the arrival of AJ. Yeah, he wasn't too far behind. <laughs> and so I, I, it started to come back to me, like we were connected even back then. And I don't, again, I don't think I've ever told you this, but watching your journey was the first time that I had ever um, really like watched a surrogacy birth and that experience and like just hearing from you and you talking about those experiences that was my first time hearing from a mom um having that perspective and that experience so I want to thank you for that because oh, you're welcome. I you know I just remember when I was pregnant and like watching your stories and it made me really think like wow I want to be very open to how birth happens in all forms that it happens because yeah. of you, you know, you, you sharing your experience, it really made me very, um, a lot more sensitive to that. Um, and I remember when I would have conversations with you, you know, in my mind, I, I really wanted to be very like open and sensitive to, you know, how our experiences, I think we were able to connect in some ways, but also just through our differences. And that was just so beautiful. And so I, I want to, again, thank you for allowing, you know, me to have that experience through you um but wow <laughs> like wow it's, yeah it is a wow because it's like all the pieces that had to come together mm-hmm. at first I was envious it's like some people just got to do one step and that's it you know what I'm saying and we know that's not the reality I mean you know that's fairy tale we know that even the healthiest of people have some bumps along the road in, you know, conceiving, getting pregnant and all those things. But, you know, my ego or whatnot just wanted me to say, girl, you got to take 15 steps to get here while everybody else has to take one or two. And, you know, while that in some reality that may be true, um, I still got to the destination. And I think that's what I want to stress for people who, women who are dealing with um, chronic illness that has kind of quote unquote, stopped the motherhood journey. It doesn't have to be that way. There are other options. Is it easy? No, but it's doable. It's doable. So I would encourage those women to not think that that's off the table because it's not off the table. Um, there's, There's other options to explore. You know, there's other options to explore. And the feelings that you have around motherhood is not abnormal. It's very normal to, you know, see a world that projects what motherhood is and you don't fit into that. That's okay. But that's something that, you know, you got to work through. You know, you don't want to carry that into motherhood. You know what I'm saying? And still having those same feelings. Those are things that, you know, we all have to work through um, when we deal with chronic illness and all the highs and lows. I say highs because there are some highs um, in, in how we deal with it, for sure. Definitely. Um, and, you know, again, like with your story, you know, so much went into you, um, you know, just being able to meet AJ in this world and, and as his mother. And then I'm realizing like AJ is two and you have already been through so many things. <laughs> in his short life with regard to like your health and your well-being and so my next question for you is like how has it been you know in motherhood navigating lupus or chronic illness um and then still prioritizing your wellness like speak to that please if you can of course in the beginning it was rough girl 
I was like, God, only you can help me to be a mother and a lupus patient and working full time. So in a wife, you know, that's not last, but you know, it's just like everything. How am I going to balance four different roles in an advocate, if you want to throw that in there. So advocate, wife, um, full-time worker, a mom, and a lupus patient. Okay. And so just to give you a picture, because I think that's the best way to paint this. When AJ came into the world, I was still on dialysis. I cannot, I could not cut my prescription, meaning I could not cut my time on the machine. So my prescription was to fill my belly with this solution, let it dwell, which means let it sit in my stomach for three hours. Then I would get on the machine for eight as I slept, okay? So imagine I'm still, I'm not working from home. I'm coming in from the office. By the time I'm at home, it's 5.30. I either go get AJ or Antoine's gonna get him a little later. And most of the time I would pick up AJ from the, from, um, the babysitters because he wasn't in like full-time school yet, okay? And so between the time I get AJ and about 6.30, I need to get on the machine to fill up with the solution, which takes some time. So sometimes I will have AJ by me. Sometimes I'll have to put him in the playpen or something like that because babies and dialysis machines don't mix. So I had to read the room to see what he was gonna do. And then I had that, that, that belly full solution for three hours. And that's my window. Sometimes the line would be long enough from my room that I would literally have to plug in and tend to AJ while my body was responding to the solution that was being filled in my body, okay? So if you can imagine a line coming from the bedroom into the living room, to make sure that your baby does not get into anything they don't need to get into because all eyes are on newborns, right? And, you know, just coming out of that newborn stage. Um, yeah, it was crazy. And then doing this and that before, all before doing it again for eight hours when I went down, the convenient thing about that was that I could sleep on those eight hours. You know what I'm saying? But if you can imagine the windows of time that I had to hit precisely because I had to be, the dialysis had to be done the next morning in time for me to get up and do it again, a full day of work or whatever. When I think about that, my mind is blown and I'm not too far removed from that. I got my kidney transplant in July, but it's still so foreign. Like, how was I able to do that? And it was only by the grace of God. So in the beginning of motherhood was crazy. I told God, I don't want him to know me as a sick mom. And I think that's the wish for every mother. And not to say that we don't get it done, but I know we'd rather be fully present, fully engaged. And so there are some things that I had to work out that motherhood is just going to look different for me. And I don't think you ever really get over that. I don't think anybody's like, yeah, I understand that motherhood's going to look different and it's okay. And I'm perfectly fine with that. No, no, no. I think that's something that you have to work through. I think there's levels to it. 
like, okay, I got lupus, but I'm still a good mom. I'm doing this. Um, because along with lupus being a roller coaster in your life, motherhood follows that same journey. That it, it's a parallel journey. There's no way you can separate your illness from motherhood because one affects the other. So if I had a low day, um, as far as you know, working that out, I have to tell my husband, hey, I'm not, I'm not 100% or I'm, I'm 50% today. Or I will find ways, okay, I'm not cooking today. I still do that. I'm not cooking today. I don't feel like cooking because I don't have the energy. You just have to see where you're going to put your eggs. Where am I, what basket am I putting my eggs in today? Do I have the energy to both cook and be what I need to be for my family? No? Okay, well, we just going to order out and that's okay. But I had to get to the point that that was okay because society teaches us somehow, some way, you need to find a way and work out, even if you have to do it on, you know, even if you have to plan ahead or whatever, you need to find a way to get all this done. And that just didn't fit my life. And I had to get to the point of saying and being confident and bold enough to say, this does not fit my life. Therefore, I'm not going to do that because it doesn't work. And had to take a lot of bumps and bruises along the way, being tired, exhausted, resentful, bitter, because I didn't put up boundaries for myself and others. I didn't communicate. I'm not feeling that well. I pushed through and I did a lot of people pleasing. And um, that, that went into motherhood too. You know, we can people please with our kids. We really can, even though they can't verbalize, mommy, I want you to do this for me. And you know what I'm saying? It's that pull on you because this is my child. I need to do this for my child and put myself on the back burner. And while that may be true in some instances, you don't have to do that all the time. You know what I'm saying? It's like, will they be okay if they don't get X, Y, and Z? Yes, they'll be okay. Will they be okay if they get 30 minutes of my time instead of 45 when I can use that 15 minutes to regroup? Yes, they'll be okay. And so those are the questions that I had to ask myself. Um, in the beginning and even now, even now, like I have no problem putting on Akili and Me or uh, Songs for Littles or any other program that he's entranced with mm -hmm. to get dinner done or um, to meal prep for myself, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And do something for myself that I know will help me to be better during the week. Yes. I just don't have a problem with that now, but it took some time for me to get there. Mm -hmm. That wasn't how it was in the beginning. So, you know, it's been a, it's been a journey. It's yeah. been a journey. Um, what I can say is sometimes I see resiliency as a bad word because it's been used against us. It's been used um, to make us workhorses, quite frankly, um, specifically Black women. I'm just going to keep it real. Um, and I, I, but there is something to be said about the resiliency you get when you have to deal with a chronic illness. You will find out just how strong you are, just how much you can deal with, not to get to your breaking point, but you never know until you're tested. Nobody's out here, let me see what I can deal with. Throw this my way, throw that my way. You know what I'm saying? Throw an unexpected hospital visit. Um, 2020, speaking of motherhood, 2020, I was in the hospital 16 days total at the height of the pandemic. I mean, literally March, when they didn't know what this was and then the pandemic was named, I was in the hospital with um, lupus stuff going on. Um, it turned out to be walking pneumonia, but it, you know, it mimicked 
COVID. And so there was a lot of scary moments with my oxygen level and everything like that. And I was just in and out 2020. I have no idea. That's the most I had ever, even in from the beginning, that was the most I had ever been in the hospital. Um, so I missed Easter. I missed a lot of moments with my son. Um, and, you know, Antoine, my husband, he had to become the main caretaker for a little bit in the support of my mother-in-law and my mom. So, you know, I was forced to be balanced. <laughs> I had forced to, I, I'm grateful to be able to have a partner um, who was there for me. It's very supportive and knew that he was a parent too. You know what I'm saying? That didn't just rely on me to be the parent. I know there's some situations out there, but we, we both agreed yeah. to have him and were very methodical and diligent about having our son. This wasn't, he wasn't no oops. I told my <laughs> son, I, I told Antoine, if AJ ever act like we didn't want him, we have receipts and paperwork to show you. Yes. And, and, and yes, mm. lots of paperwork to show you that you were indeed wanted. So yeah, it, it's been a journey. I mean, like I said, along with whatever I was going through with lupus, I was going through in motherhood. Mm-hmm. So and when you said it forced you to become balanced, like as you were talking, I was just thinking like, man, all the things you're saying is like the epitome of what we talk about in Balanced Working Mama, like, mm-hmm. you know, asking for the help, not being afraid to let people know when you're not your 100% best self, right. like doing what you to need the max. to do. Yeah, doing what you need to do to show up for yourself. Like you were forced to do those things. And yeah, yeah I'm, I'm so glad that you were able to like, reach the point where you realize like, hey, I got to do these things for my health, you know, for, for AJ, like, you know, these things are necessary. It, it's not like this cute recommendation or success suggestion. Absolutely. I, I absolutely need to show up for yes. myself, which means that I need to ask other people to show up for me too. And that was very hard because I am wired to be independent. I don't know if I just came out the womb that way, child, or if there was an added foundation of independence. And I know I was definitely raised to be that, to do things for myself, to not necessarily need to lean on something, someone. And that is just the total opposite of how we need to be. We have a community and we have people in our lives. Maybe not everybody, maybe not the people you expect. Mm -hmm. Maybe not your blood family. Yeah. But we have people in our lives that are willing to step in, you know what I'm saying, when we're not well. And and one thing I want to say, I was forced to be that way. I'm hoping um, that the women listening to this know, don't get into a situation where you're forced to be balanced. Mm-hmm. Try to be that way, just yeah. period. Try to make that a lifestyle. So that's why I think your program and what you do for us is so needed because we need those tools. Those tools are not giving to us most likely unless you grew up into a new age household where everything was balanced and you saw just how that worked. You know what I'm saying? Or if you grew up with a, a single mom who still put her needs first and or whatever, that's not taught to us. So I'm so glad that this was created and that, you know, there's something for us to get these tools because we need them. We need them because otherwise we will be out here struggling to figure out what is going on or push ourselves to the brink. 
Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, we'll, and it'll be a repeated cycle because we don't know, oh, I'm doing what I need to do. What's going on? I'm just taking care of my, my kids. I'm trying to do this. And we the, the thought, the light bulb will never come on that. But what about you? Maybe yeah. if we have a good girlfriend, maybe if we have observant people around us to have be mirrors, we won't see that. And now that um, I totally have shifted post-transplant, mm-hmm. motherhood looks completely different but there are some things that stay the same actually I want to ask you that yeah Yeah. I wanted to ask you that because I I definitely wanted to hear how are you doing now after the transplant but like you said what are the things that are still the same as someone who still is living with lupus because I know after your transplant girl I know you out here running you 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 training you you doing these wellness things And I love to see it. And I realized that lupus, you know, just because you got a kidney transplant doesn't mean that lupus has gone away for you. So yeah, speak to that, please. Yeah. Um, The kidney transplant was definitely such a blessing. Um, It was a deceased donor, um, which is bittersweet, right? But that person, if I could talk to them or their family, I would say, this gift is not being wasted at all. Immediately when I woke up, I could tell the difference. One, because I was peeing a whole bunch. Girl, believe it or not, I would pee once a day. Once a day pre-transplant, which is crazy to me to say out loud. But then every five minutes, I was going to the bathroom. Um, My eyes were brighter. Even looking at past pictures where I thought I looked my best, I can tell now you were not well. I'm proud of that girl. I'm proud of that woman who did some superhero-ish. You know what I'm saying? Because she had to. But now I want to be the woman who really embraces the second chance. And what that looks like in motherhood is... I'm eating better. Um, I am drinking my water because it's vital. I have to drink my water. Ain't no choice. People out here, oh, I drink water. I try to get my 60. No, no, no. Mandatory 70 ounces a day because it will show up in my labs. Water is the key for me keeping this kidney going. It's You just got to drink your water. Trust me, drink your water. Okay. And so that means exercising regularly to make sure that I'm strong from me and my son um, and just being able to enjoy life. Boundaries, um, seeing myself in the affirmative meaning. When I say that, I get to choose if I wanna spend time with you. I used to have a mindset of, and honestly, I'm just gonna be honest, I still battle that as far as looking at, looking like I was chosen instead of me choosing, if that makes sense. Oh, they want to spend time with me. I need to make sure, blah, 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 blah. I'm getting to the point, and I am to that point, and just really walking in that, that if, if it's not any people, person, people, place, and things, if it's not leaving me better, if it's not, if I'm not getting anything out of it, 
if it's not, if it's leaving me certain, a certain kind of way and it's not making me feel good, then I need to look closely at that. I don't want to assume that it's them, but I need to see if it's, if it's me, what am I doing that this is okay? Or, and then what are they doing that I don't agree with? It's a two-way street because sometimes we can digest things that are not there. I have to constantly say, stay in the reality, stay in the reality, stay in the reality. So all of that, like a new way of, I don't want to make it seem like the kidney is just like new way, new life, brand new, but literally, yes, brand new, because I took it as not only a chance to live life like I want to, because while I was living life pre-transplant, there were a lot of stops and goes. They were, it was hard. It's not so hard anymore. Do I have my challenges? Yes. But it's so much better because I have the energy and strength to do what I want to do. Um, and so with the energy and strength, I'm very picky about what I want to do with that. Right? Like, I want to spend that time with my family. I want to spend that time with friends that are supportive and are reciprocal. You know what I'm saying? Like if we feed each other, it's not just me feeding you. You know what I'm saying? Like it, and like what we're moms. A lot of my friends are moms, and so you know, there's demands. We might not be able to be hanging all the time, but there's an understanding. You know, there's a a, a mutual respect, and that's minimal. So there's boundaries that I put in place, and and, and a way of life that I'm putting into place that I pray will continue. So, you know, that's, that's the newness and I'm embracing that and doing new things. I'm doing things that I never thought I could do. Mm. And I'm kind of molding the life that I want to live. Yeah. And it's not easy because I think, as you know, transforming the way we were taught in the way that we leave, we lived previously mm -hmm. to making this big decision that we want to do things different is hard. So it doesn't always, it involves moving past yourself, which is harder than people think. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> it is. And then having to upset some people. Mm -hmm. And me being a natural people pleaser is very hard for me because I want everybody to be happy around me. I want everybody to be good with my decisions. I want to make sure it benefits everybody that's just not reality. Yeah. No, it's just not reality. So, um, it's, it's been a, it, it's been a, a welcome transition mm -hmm. because prayers have been answered that my son won't know me as, um, the mom who, you know, couldn't do everything or, you know, had to take a back seat, blah, blah, blah. Um, whilst, you know, I might not be the mom that's out there a hundred percent or whatever, because it looks different for everybody. I'm happy to say that I'll be more present and engaged in my son's life and I'll have the energy to do so, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. You have so much wisdom. <laughs> like oh, I life taught, life taught. Listen, I'm trying to I, tell you. I, 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 it sounds like it. And I, you know, I haven't said much during this interview because I'm just taking it all in. Like, I literally feel like I could just listen to you talk about your life <laughs> and your experiences all day um, because it just truly, again, I, I can't thank you enough for like 
your willingness and courage to share your story for so many years and then coming mm-hmm. and speaking with us today like I'm so happy for you I'm very proud of you Thank um, you. you know for you know how you said it kind of like living the life that you want today you know taking this new start and and doing what you can with it and um continuing to move forward in your journey as a mom and as a lupus advocate and as someone who is still navigating what lupus means um you know I'm just so so grateful for you and so proud of you and you know I know we're going to wrap this up but um is there anything else that you feel you want to share or communicate to the mamas who are listening um particularly those mamas who may be struggling with lupus and or other chronic illnesses yeah of course Um, Anytime I have uh, the opportunity to share about lupus is a blessing. So I thank you for affording me that opportunity, especially to your audience, because I believe this is the core audience, Um, being a lupus warrior or not, because we are warriors. (laughs) There's a lot of warring going on and we have to fight um, to live the life that we want to live. But I think this applies to everyone. And the the thing I, I leave behind always is you must be your own best advocate, period, period. People love us, right? But they're not us. So they can't speak for us. Um, We have to find our own voice. We have to identify our own needs and work up the courage to speak out loud. That's with doctors. That's with Um, home life, that's with family, that's with friends, anybody who is connected to you, who is in your circle, who is a part of um, your family, medical, you know, blood related, whatever, if they're in your life, you have to advocate for yourself. A lot of us, and I still think this is, this is lupus related, as well as working your way to be a balanced working mama, we can do too much we do the most. Somewhere in our brain, and I know for us lupus warriors, we got to prove. There's a lot of proving that I can still do what you do. And sometimes that's great because there is some pride, like, oh, I'm out here lifting, I'm out here exercising. And I know people who don't have lupus ain't doing this. So I feel good about myself. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. But there are times when we have 10,000 things on the list And we feel by completing that list, but we're dog tired and on our backs for four days, we're holding so much pride in this list when it didn't have to be that way. We could have delegated. We could have took some things off the list because most likely some stuff was on the list that didn't need to be on the list, child. You know what I'm saying? And I'm saying it like this because there are so many times I ran into this pride of thinking that I had to do this by myself because of that independence And most likely a lot of us didn't have the help that we needed and we weren't willing to ask again and to be rejected again. Okay, that fear of rejection and abandonment is real. Um, So you have to be your own best advocate and find your voice, find your community and lean in because most likely you've been pouring into them. And now it's time for you to receive. And there's nothing wrong with receiving. I'm finding that out more and more because I'm building some beautiful friendships. And it blew my mind. And I know this sounds so crazy. 
that there were women who were willing to take the time to know me and to pour into me is such a gift. And I'm really experiencing in its fullness right now. And it's such a, a gift to navigate. And so I know there are people out there that are caring and, you know what I'm saying? So be your own ass best advocate and ask for what you want. Ask for what you need. And then there's always hope. At the end of the day, we have to have a mindset of hope that things will get better, even if it doesn't look good right now. This is what keeps you going. That's what kept me going, that it won't always be like this. And celebrate every little victory. If you had a good day, celebrate it. If you took all your medicine on time, celebrate it. If you were able to get to the gym, celebrate it. If you got to spend some time with your girls, revel in it. Like Treat everything like a big moment because it is for us. There are several days that we might just not be well. So we can't treat a good day like an ordinary person would. We have to treat it like, wow, this is, I'm gonna I'm really soak this in. This is a beautiful, take note of the sky and the weather and just be present because it's gonna help you. Being present, having hope and just living every day that you can to the fullness is going to be great for us and anybody really really wow yeah oh my gosh thank you so much yeah, i thank you I, so much uh, for having me appreciate you so much i know the mamas are going to get so much out of this episode so you know again thank you so much and I, i'm so excited and happy to be connected to you oh and same same i'm like i got dr amber yes <laughs> Watching you in um, C3 Juice is just amazing. <laughs> like, how are these kids out here doing all this stuff? <laughs> like, you guys are great parents. And um, I know you have a great support system. So I'm happy for you and what you're building and that you can build this. You know what I'm saying? It takes a village to do what you're doing. Yeah. And I'm just glad that you have the people in your life that you do, for yeah. sure. Same. Yep. Hey mama, thank you for listening to the Balanced Working Mama podcast. If you love this podcast, please be sure to rate it and share it with another mama that you know. And don't forget to follow me and Balanced Working Mama on Instagram. I'll talk to you soon.